Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew Charles. I'm Cowan's restaurant analyst. I'm, I'm really pleased today to be joined by Michael Mannion, the founder and CEO of Kitchen Podular. Um, Michael, in my view, is uniquely positioned uh, amid COVID-19 for the idea that he has of Kitchen Podular around how to really gear restaurant off-premise sales uh, in a COVID-19 backdrop and beyond. I'm really th- thrilled to be joining uh, him today and to really discuss the emerging trends within the, within the industry. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much, Andrew. Pleasure to be here. Great. So wanted to start, can you talk a little bit about Kitchen Podular, you know, maybe the quick 30-second background or where the idea came from and, and how it came to fruition? Yeah. So we've been building Modular for about 10 years now. We started with beverage. Um, we used to build all like Budweiser's mobile assets for the Super Bowl, the World Series. Most restaurant people have seen our pods at the NRA convention. About three and a half, four years ago, we started building Kitchen Pods uh, for big third-party companies and at QSR and enterprise brands. It was just a natural progression. Um, we saw all the delivery just totally taken off. In most verticals, you have you know one or two companies that are the primary, but in delivery, you have like four or five, and they're all billion-dollar companies. And we always knew that you restaurants do need to you need do need restaurants to sit down in, but I think the new term is small box. Not every restaurant needs a dining room. And it's a hub and spoke model where you can open a lot more restaurants, get your food closer to the customer, um, and lower your overhead at the same time. Very good. That's helpful. And can you help us uh, better identify who is the target audience of restaurants that you try to sell to? Is it the chains? Is it, or is it the mom and pops? Is there a certain cuisine that this works better on than others? It's the chains. We're very positioned for the, tra- the chains. And the reason being is we're a development. Um, if you look at, you know, mom and pops and such, or just anybody, like even there's a lot of different chains out there that just are all franchised or just go into strip malls or have you not. We are, you know, we are a small building that gets placed and gets connected to utilities where, wherever that may be. And in this circumstance, it's more of a project, but with it being more of a project, it's not because it's still cheaper and you actually own it. So let me tell you the difference. Like if you go in and do a TI, a tenant improvement in a strip mall, you sign a major lease, it's five years plus options, you pay to remodel that whole thing. In our process, all you need is a piece of land to put it on. And it's usually non-traditional real estate. So it might be like over on the side of that parking lot, you know, where 30% less people are driving now and you have power poles and you have shrubs, so you have power and you have water. And we can plug in over there and it's uh, more of a land lease, it's much cheaper. And you own the pod or you can lease the pod, but your whole overhead's less and you're not stuck into something. Um, The average price for a big box retailer that we deal with for them to open up their locations is probably about 1.2 to $1.5 million per store. Our price, all footed out with all their equipment, usually is about two hundred fifty, about two hundred thousand to about two hundred fifty thousand. So on the minimum, you're doing one, like one traditional restaurant to four of our pods. 
So you spread those out and you get the food closer to the customer. It's all about cooking the food and getting it delivered, you know, within a 15 to 20 minute timeline. Yeah, that, that certainly is compelling. Um, the other uh, element of your business beyond traditional restaurants is also ghost kitchens. So can you talk a little about your work there um, and how they've been as customers and, and how, how you envision that playing out as well in terms of the future of Kitchen Potter? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. So the ghost kitchen side is what we you know, first started doing. And there's actually a lot of crossover between our big box, small box restaurants and the ghost kitchens. I, the pod's the same. It's what do you want to put inside of it? We've been working really towards doing more electric only kitchens because there's places like Berkeley, California, Boston, and even New York now, all new construction. You can't have natural gas. So we've been doing a lot of electric only kitchens, like with our partners, Middleby. And um, in this circumstance, if you don't take air out, you don't have to put air back in, which allows you to put uh, electric hood inside of these pods and it really makes it diverse especially for ghost kitchens ghost kitchens have a higher turnover ratio you want to put a lot more brands in there you want to be able to change things on the fly doing all electric kitchens in our pods and being able just to change equipment out add a new piece so you can do wings add a new place so you could do something else is really the way the whole industry is going so everything that we develop uh, all of our pods are made for a brand, but made for a ghost kitchen. So if you look at it like um, Cheesecake Factory, they have a huge menu. Well, what's a ghost kitchen? It's probably five items, you know, maybe five ghost kitchens are five items that Cheesecake Factory has. So it, it boils it down to a different marketing way and a different way to cook the stuff. So we set it up so like anything done in a wok is done in this station. Anything done in a fryer is done in this station. Anything that's done in a grill is done in this station. And you can cook whatever. And then when it goes to ghost kitchen, quote unquote, status, it's what brand for what item are you calling it for the general public, if that makes sense. Yep. Maybe just a natural segue on that question. You know, we, we've heard a lot, obviously, about virtual brands that full-service restaurants are utilizing their kitchen using um, excess capacity on, on the labor as well as equipment side. You know, what's your personal outlook, you know, in terms of your insights and from your vantage point? How, how do you see the, the future of virtual brands uh, that are really just digitally enabled for pickup and for delivery playing out? Twofold. Okay. And it's a loaded question. But it, it, I think... It's, gonna, it, it's doing awesome. It's, you're going to see brands come up like never before. And big brands, if they don't know how to market, you're going to see them go down. Um, I do believe, one reason I like our model as far as the pods, is we're still a standalone building. You still can drive by, you can get off a train, you can see that visual of it there, and you can still pick it up, up your food, or get it delivered. I do believe when there's 20 pages of all virtual kitchens, it's going to come down to marketing online of which one you want instead of, cause you just don't know and you can't, there's no visual. And if you're on the 20th page, it's kind of like when the internet started, everybody's like, Oh yeah, it was be online and you're going to commit, you know, make a million dollars. Well, you still have to learn how to market it. So, and that's going to be the hard thing when nobody has a visual. Because the cool thing about a restaurant, you can walk in and sit down and there's people in there. It's not always like that with a virtual restaurant. So you do need to know how to brand it. And having a, something that you could actually see and maybe walk up to is pretty appealing in that case. Because you need to have extra. 
For sure. Nice little sense. Back to Kitchen Podular, how many pods do you have up and running today? And when you look out over your three-year roadmap, you know, how many pods do you think that, that will be out there in the marketplace? Well, we have three members are probably 100 pods out there right now. Um, we're building like mad. We, we jumped off. We've always been hitting singles or doubles. And beginning of this year, like, we hit it out of the gate. We're like, first couple weeks, we were just amazing. Then COVID hit, and we were just like, oh, boy. And uh, we really, you know, even the, the customers that we had, everybody's like, we'll catch up to you fourth quarter, just hold it. And we were like, okay, we're streamlined. You know, we know how to, how to manage our business pretty well, and, and we can handle times like this. Um, we, you know, so we just kind of relaxed for a little bit. And, and planned and studied and saw what was going on in the industry. And I want to say third quarter just blew up. Everybody that we were dealing with before, everybody that we were planning with in the future, calling us. Because what happened during COVID is everybody learned how much money they can make using a little bit of staff. And they didn't need to air condition and pace rental or lease space on, on dining rooms and how delivery and pickup was so important. And they did all the calculations that we've been trying to tell them forever. I no longer had to speak. Everybody was telling me. And now we have some of the biggest brands in the world, that multiple thousands of locations that we've designed, we're planning, we're rolling out for on a massive scale, like hundreds of units a year. Um, and where we're going as a company is we're always trying to make stuff better, faster, cheaper, you know, but we're, we really live on the quality side of things where there's a lot of things out in the ghost kitchen industry that's like, let's do it as cheap as you can. That's not us. We want to fit the brand. We're building for that brand. We're not expensive, but we're going to showcase the brand the way it was intended. With that said, over the next three years, we believe, and you know, maybe these numbers are a little bit off, that um, let's just say there's 650,000 or so restaurants in America right now. Uh, we believe in the next two to three years, four to six percent of them are going to go all ghost kitchen. So that's about 24 to 36,000 ghost kitchens. We believe that we're, gonna, we're in the process of, you know, making our assembly line for our frames all robotic. A robot can weld a frame in 90 minutes. We're prefabbing all of our MVP. Once we get through design phase and do a couple prototypes for our clients, we can really just roll and steam roll them out, especially like an assembly line. So in the next three years, we plan on opening up six factories across America, all micro factories, all fully robotic, all state-of-the-art to get the pods closer to the customer. Our threshold is putting two pods a day out per factory and opening up a different one in assembly. Um, with those numbers, we figure in the next three years, we could put out between 5,500 and 6,000 pods, which is 10% 
of less than 10% of, of what is capable out there. And I don't think that anybody can build or move any faster than that. It doesn't matter who comes into the marketplace. The market's so big and we're seeing people get billion dollars in, in you know, investment lately that it's just going to scratch the surface. I see this really changing things because this is truly the case of going big, going bigger to, or going smaller to go bigger. That's exactly what we're doing. We're lowering everybody's overhead, expanding their reach, and allowing them to survive on their own, not like in a commissary kitchen. They have their own four walls and a door that closed with their own signage on the outside. Yeah, but that's absolutely explosive growth. Wow. Um, and you kind of answered this, but I was going to ask you, will the expansion, uh, do you envision expansion throughout the United States based on the calls you're getting, or is it, is it really uh, – uh, concentrated in a certain region, but it sounds like just given the fact that you're expanding six uh, factories across the country, you're seeing pretty broad-based interest in, in the concept. It's we're all over the place as far as like where where the where stuff's coming. We're even starting to ship stuff international. Um, times, money, travel costs. All right. So if I have to ship something from Vegas where we are. And we have a you know three acre unbelievable facility right next to the new Raider Stadium, uh, but like if we have to ship something to New York, the cost is huge compared to if I just open another factory up there. Like it, there's so it's it's we're doing the same model as Ghost Kitchens for our factories, small factories, multiple locations, closer to our clients. Therefore, we're partners with like with, with big development companies where we can we. Can, in theory, we can roll you out in a hundred cities at once. So part of that is not shipping from one location, shipping from a location that's close to where we're developing it. So we could ship, you know, we could be working on one project in six different factories across the country, and each one of those is shipping, you know, fifteen different pods to to, to, to different areas, and we could do it all simultaneously. Yep, makes sense. Very good. Um, I wanted to talk about the legacy COVID-19 will leave on the restaurant industry. Uh, you may have seen that Chipotle is rapidly pursuing Chipotle digitally enabled drive-through locations. And Shake Shack is also now looking to open both traditional and digitally enabled drive-throughs. What do you view as new components of restaurant design uh, for the brick and mortars that will be necessary to compete? Um, as touchless as possible, as many lockers. Uh, so people could just scan their phones, open it up, grab their lockers. Accessible pickup is still bigger than delivery. So it's I, I truly believe that the drive-throughs are great, but I wouldn't necessarily chase them as much as everybody because the permitting for them takes a long time. As long as you can find locations, if you can get a drive-through, by all means, take it. But if you can get locations where people can park and you can either expedite the food to them or they can just go to a locker and pick it up right there, the, the problem is we don't want to go inside anywhere right now. That's the problem. We're afraid to go inside of buildings, which for good reason, that makes sense. So I, I think that it's just making the food so it's accessible, it's safe, we feel comfortable. Um, getting closer to your customer, you know, you want to get that they want if they order the food they want to get it within a, a really short timeline so the hub and spoke model i think is definitely going to be important obviously your third party um 
partners as far as advertising and marketing goes. And I wouldn't stop like doing handbills and all kinds of traditional marketing that you do. Also, I think they need to aggregate their own customers, meaning it's great. The third parties, I believe in them, the delivery companies, but after they get you that customer, do what the airlines and everybody else do. Make that customer yours. Let them come to you for, give them incentives to order directly from you. So that's your customer. And then you could pay a lesser fee when you deliver it to the end user if they come through you directly rather than paying a higher fee if they go through one of the third parties. I think that's going to be very important moving forward. Yeah, no question. That data, data collection is absolutely paramount. I, I hear you completely there. And then without naming names, what are the service formats and design elements that chain restaurants that you're speaking with as potential clients are looking for in a kitchen pod? Usually out of our pods, our pods are multiple sizes. We build from scratch. These are not shipping containers. We could build any size, any shape, but we do like to build in the shape of what a shipping container is because it's the perfect cook line. We're looking at most, I think probably the most popular size for a kitchen is probably 10 and a half by 40, about 420 or so square feet. It's a lot of kitchen for one, you know, just without anything else in there. No waiters, waitresses, plates, silverware, glassware, all that kind of stuff. Um, in that, we have a walk-in cooler, three compartment sink, hand sink, all your MEP, and whatever equipment you need in there. It's all about throughput. We're seeing that we could probably get about 80% of a traditional brick and mortar as far as your throughput goes in a much smaller space couple employees run it. We're seeing things become a lot more automated where a lot of companies are going towards a lot of the new electrical equipment. It can handle a lot more. It's faster. It's more precise. It's easy. It's push a button. We're seeing pickup lockers being very common. Pickup windows, drive-throughs, also rooftop patios. So like even out of like an eight and a half by 40, so 330 square feet, I could put a walk-in cooler, a hand sink, three compartment sink, a drive-through, and a rooftop patio, and a pickup window, all out of that. And it's all very laid out excessively. We, um, we design for functionality first, and then aesthetics afterward, as opposed to somebody who's trying to, we always make it look pretty, but we, don't, we start with the, the, the aesthetic first. We come from a concession background, so everything is one step. We don't, you don't walk back and forth for everything. You're not walking down a hallway to go to your walk-in cooler. It's all right there. Yep. You touched on it, but we'd love to learn more about the conduciveness of, of Kitchen Podular to drive through. You know, is that an easy function for you guys to uh, implement within the Kitchen Pods? And, and taking that one step further, do you have any double drive throughs you know, pods that are capable of kind of supporting two uh, drive through lines to expedite throughput? Or is that something yes. that, you know, you're, you're currently exploring? Yeah, no, we're doing like double drive-throughs. Like we've had, we have one project going on right now that has two pods vertical. So the two 10 and a half by 40s together. So it's 10 and a half by 90. In this case, you pull in the first one, you could pay for your food, you get your drink. And the second one, you could pick up the food. On the other side of that, we have pickup windows where people can walk up to. Um, we can easily put like a little pickup pod next to a drive-through one to make it a double lane drive-through. It's kind of imaginative. We actually, before COVID, we actually invented uh, pickup windows. And we might have done this like three years ago. They're made for the big box retailers have six foot curbs that go around their, their buildings. So we made these 
pickup pods that go, and you can do a single window or a double window for drive-thrus, and they go right on the curb, and they would you would cut a hole in your building and come right out of your kitchen, and now you have curbside delivery. You do have, you can have a drive-through in your building with little change. Just adding this pod to it, you know, obviously there's permitting and this, that, and the other, but it's, it's a, it's a lot, a lot less interruptive just to put these pickup pods. And since COVID started hitting, we've never marketed this or anything else, but like, there's some pretty cool brands starting to roll that out right now. You want to talk a little bit more about the numbers. Your website says models start a hundred thousand dollars per pod. What does that get the buyer compared to the two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars you spoke about earlier? And if I wanted to go for the pod that's capable of supporting a double lane drive-through that you mentioned before, um, you know, how much do you think that would cost? And a great question. The hundred thousand dollars is our pickup windows. Those are our pickup windows, and those are fully outfitted, ready to attach to your building for your drive-through. So that's about what it's going to cost you to add a drive-through to your building. So that's honestly about the price of the double drive-through. The single drive-through is a little bit cheaper. Um, our pods with a walk-in cooler, um, the hand sink, the three compartment sink, and all your MEP laid out, ready for your final equipment, they started 150 for eight and a half by 40. The bigger, the more they cost. Um, like I said, 10 and a half by 40 or 50, very common for the restaurants. Um, and then when, and most people's equipment package is about an extra $100,000. I was including that in there. It's not necessarily what you pay us, but that's what you're going to pay for your equipment anyway. Most of our pods that we're dealing with right now, really turnkey, and we're not really big on upselling the whole way through. We kind of just design it right and just build it. But most pods that we're doing for major brands are in the 2 to 220 range right now. And they're, you know, plus like the final stuff, uh, their final equipment in there. And some people use a little bit more high-tech stuff than others. But we're using real equipment, you know, state-of-the-art, cutting-edge stuff inside of our pods. Um, they're meant to last. I Like, how long is it going to last? I don't know. It's solid steel. <laughs> like, 50 years? I, I don't know. I mean, like, we've had them for 10 years that look perfect still. So th that's the range. I mean, and it's kind of like – it's kind of like anything. I mean, you can just keep adding stuff to it all the time. But like, okay, we just finished a pod. There's pizza making robots, all augmented reality, has a puck in it and a rooftop patio. I think that was around the 230 range for all that. Got it. And then just my last question, you know, Michael, taking a step back, obviously, you've got a great pitch. And so I'm curious that when you go and talk to the chains, for the ones that say, no, thank you, um, what are the reasons that they cite? before it was they didn't understand it they couldn't understand how with the reality how to get their money back they and, and, and there's kind of a rabbit hole but um or they weren't set up for it we would we've done more online presentations for people and you know laid out their stuff in a small environment it's easy to lay stuff up big we're laying out a concession environment in an airplane and it, you know every every square inch is accounted for and it, it's the difference is going into a strip mall and that mall's already ready all you have to do is put your equipment in there or running utilities and finding a pad where do i put this how do i use this you know what's, what's the permitting for it 
Um, we're part of the modular association. Most uh, uh, permitting for our pods, we actually get signed off at our factory, saves a ton of time. Usually within a month, we can get permits for our pods. And then they're just, the end users just getting the, the permits just to run their groundwork, which is pretty fast. So we can move way faster than traditional brick and mortar, but that was a learning process for us and for everybody else. Um, modular construction per square foot for what we're doing might cost a little bit more up front. And let me explain it. It's because the most expensive part of a kitchen of a restaurant is the kitchen. That's all we're building is the kitchen. And I'm probably making your throughput for that square foot twice as much as you're traditionally doing it. So you're probably paying for twice as much space to put in a kitchen that I can do for half as much, but the upfront cost might cost a couple of dollars per square foot, but overall you're saving so much and you're open so much faster and you can develop so much more at once. Michael, that all makes a ton of sense. Kitchen Podular coming soon to, to a seat near you. Michael, I want to thank you for your time today and thank you so much for listening. Andrew, you're the best. Thank you very much for giving us this opportunity. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.